Hey everyone, you're listening to the 107 Podcast, where we get together every fortnight, and sometimes more often, to talk about technology, business, and the humans in it. I'm your host, Ivan Stegic. My guests today are Jack Probst and Coleman Rollins, 107 alumni that I really miss and haven't spoken to in at least a few years. We're going to catch up find out what life is like for them now, what they're doing, and how they've built on the skills that they developed while they were with us. Maybe we'll talk about how 107's changed as well and some personal projects that they're working on. Hey, guys. Hey, Yvonne. Hey, Yvonne. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's great to have you on. It's uh, it's been. I was just looking at when the last time you guys used your ten seven dot com email addresses was, and uh, I figured that would be the the most recent connection that we'd have. And Jack, it's been since twenty fifteen, and Coleman, I think twenty sixteen, or maybe it's the other way around. Coleman was twenty fifteen, and Jack was twenty sixteen. Yeah, man, that's a long time ago. Yeah, it seems like just yesterday. <laughs> How the world has changed since then. Yeah, it, it really has changed since then, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, how are you guys doing right now? Where are you joining me from today? So I'm in my basement in Madison, Wisconsin, um, working from home right now. Um, I moved to Madison about three years ago um, for a job, and... Um, I'm I'm still there. It's a company called Epic Systems. It's we make an electronic health record for patients. Um, definitely can get into it more later, but yeah, I'm about four hours away from the Twin Cities right now. And Coleman, where are you? I am calling from my apartment in Chicago. Um, I've been here uh, ever since I left Ten Seven, actually, and same apartment. Same same neighborhood in Chicago. What neighborhood is that? Uh, it's the Humboldt Park neighborhood. And it's a little bit north and uh, east of downtown. North and east of downtown. So right in the middle oh, of the lake. I'm sorry. North, <laughs> excuse me. North and west. Oh, north and west. Um, let's see. Are the Cubs... Is Wrigley Field north and west of downtown? I think it might Wrigley, be. Wrigley Field is pretty much straight north. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Are you still a Twins fan? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Are good. you still a wild fan? <laughs> till till the day I die. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I'll never I'll never cheer for the Chicago Blackhawks. Okay, good. That's good. Jack, what about you? Are you still the Twins and a Wild fan? Oh yes, and a Golden Gopher fan too. Of course, Golden Gopher. You know, I got really into uh, Golden Gopher volleyball last year. Uh, my daughter started playing volleyball and. It just, I never realized it was such an exciting sport to watch after I became the parent of someone who plays volleyball. <laughs> and man, the Gophers are amazing. That's cool. Yeah, that, that is cool. Okay, so Jack, you, uh, you said you were at Epic. Um, what's your role there? What are you doing at Epic? And how, is it similar, different? What, what's it like compared to 10.7? I've had a couple roles there now already. I'm coming up on about three years there. I in this role called technical services, which is kind of a blend of 
account management, um, customer happiness, and technical problem solving, uh, which has a lot of parallels to, I think, the different hats I wore when I was at 10.7, too. Um, And recently, I've kind of moved into a a larger role there, too, where I'm a direct technical account manager for about a 55-clinic hospital system in Arizona. So it's it's uh brought i've kind of built on a lot of my skills from from 107 you know i really liked how at 107 we valued kind of taking complex problems and explaining them so that our counterparts could understand them at all of our clients um and i do that every day now in my role uh so it's probably the the largest parallel and also just kind of keeping clients and customers happy no matter what it takes and going that extra mile um those are definitely some skills i've built on that's awesome to hear and has working from home changed your uh the way you do your job a little yeah i mean one thing we we do especially the group i'm working with now they're they're kind of in the installation process of our software um and we normally would have trips out there about at least once or twice a month um so right now, that's all virtual, uh, lots of WebEx and Microsoft Teams meetings. Um, and I also just miss going to work every day. Um, I know Ep- uh, Epic has a great kind of corporate campus with lots of, um, you know, there's a lot of great employees that you can see, um, lots of facilities, the food. We all miss the food a lot. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's interesting because I know 10.7 went from, in person to completely remote. Um, so it's, I kind of feel like I've gone through that same journey the last few months. Yeah. We, when you guys were working at 107, we were very much a culture that was still in the office, uh, brick and mortar downtown. Let's be together. And it's interesting to say the least that things have changed, um, from that perspective. And, uh, do you do you think that, or is there a plan for Epic to bring employees back, or are you guys going to be more independent, more remote in the future? Do you think? Yeah, it's it's something that I know our our leadership has been discussing a lot, but um, we think being in person for meetings and presentations is really part of our culture. Um, a lot of our ideas and developments there's just happen in kind of spontaneous interactions with people in the hall or having an office close to each other. Um, And I think that's important for Epic because of our size. Um, We're large enough that you don't see a lot of the same people. You don't interact with them virtually on a normal basis, um, where I'm sure at 10.7 you guys are smaller, and um, that's something where you guys already do have those regular touch points throughout the week. But we have about 10,000 employees, so yeah. That's a lot of people. And everyone's based in Wisconsin, or are there satellite offices? There are satellite offices for international customers. Um, So we have Bristol or United Arab Emirates, um, Singapore. uh, But everyone in the United States is based in uh, Verona, Wisconsin, which is uh, a suburb of Madison. Wow. Have you been to Bristol? Like, if I if I, if my company was uh, also had a headquarters or an office in Bristol, I would look for every excuse to try to get there as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, one one thing we're we're able to do is kind of help 
support any of our international customers when they have mm. a large go live um, for the software. Um, so you can take a, a week or two trip out there to go be on the floor next to doctors, help them learn how to use the software. Um, and then you can take some personal time internationally too. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Wow. So you, you had left 10.7, went through and um, completed your uh, degree at the U of M and then was off to Epic Systems, right? Yep. It was, I had, I was, you know, working full time at 10.7 and on the evenings and weekends was going to kind of community college part time. And then um, when I, I transferred into the University of Minnesota is when I left 10.7, was there for about a year and a half and then came over to Epic. Awesome. And Coleman, what about you? You, um, I think you left 10.7 and ended up at a software company um, and I think maybe another software company after that. How, where are you? What are you doing? How did you get there? Sure. So, yeah, when I first moved to Chicago, I was working at a a slightly larger agency kind of traditional uh, marketing agency in Chicago um, who, uh, who were trying to create a digital uh, branch of their business. It wasn't going very well for them and it made for a very difficult uh, um, experience as a developer there. Uh, so I was only there for about six months, and then I moved to uh, DRW Trading, where I where I um, still am now. Yeah, going on a little over four years there now. And what does DRW Trading do? So DRW is a um, private trading firm, and uh, we um, we don't have customers, we don't have clients, we we just trade all things that there is to trade uh, on all kinds of exchanges. You know, there's a lot of a lot of trading going on downtown Chicago, and that's where we're headquartered. I am on a team called Trading Infrastructure, and uh, the job of our team is to, uh, one, publish all um, instrument data coming from outside sources. So... If Bloomberg says the price of Apple is $100, then we need to make sure that price is up to date for all of our traders and trading algorithms. And two, we process all of the post-trade data. So anytime a trade happens, it goes through TI, my team, and we need to make sure it's properly cataloged, properly associated with you know, past data we have on that sort of trade, and then republished so that people who are, you know, need to look at what happened throughout the day are able to look at it. And right now, um, my job is primarily JavaScript and React to build, you know, basically a bunch of very nice, very functional data tables for people to look at data and have it really easily accessible and readable. I remember when you were at 10.7, you were very interested in finance and in the stock market. And we, I mean, I watched you um, 
basically trying to get interested and involved in that kind of industry for the longest time. So it sounds like you're actually not just flexing your developer and software skills, but you're kind of in this uh, industry where you're tickling the other interest you have, which is finance as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and it's it's truly fascinating to actually be in the industry and just see what it's actually like and you know the um, the sheer like scale of infrastructure involved in you know these these big firms uh to you know take advantage of every of any tiny little leg up they can have Mm -hmm. on their competitors is it's just incredible to to see and to and to be a part of and um just just an amazing amount of very smart people who I get to learn from and uh, some really, really big, interesting problems to solve. Yeah, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange is pretty huge down in Chicago. And like the, my understanding is that physical proximity to those data centers and to where the trades happen is at a premium. Are, are you guys close to uh, to the exchanges that you're that you're taking data from or? Yeah, that's you're exactly right. We're literally across the street from CME and we have a network of radio towers that go straight to New Jersey mm. to and our servers are co-located there next to those exchanges. Um and yeah, it's you're absolutely right. You anytime you're downtown Chicago and you see radio towers on the tops of the buildings, it's all all for trading. It's incredible. And so now this must be interesting to your physics background as well, because, I mean, the physics that's involved in getting those signals and optimizing the computers and the servers that process all of these trades so that you have a millisecond leg up on a trader that might not have seen that data change um, mm-hmm. that you did. Like, that's that's all part of this. It's it's crazy. And the, the other cool thing about that is that DRW employs so many physicists and you know microwave engineers and electrical engineers and like there's just a humongous like range of of talent that's needed to accomplish those things so that's also pretty cool yeah that's that's fascinating i yeah that's that's cool that's very cool i want to go back to jack and ask you jack are you still into beer as much as you were (laughs) when you were in minneapolis i'm I'm worried that you went to wisconsin and you don't have access to all the local breweries here in minneapolis well i think wisconsin has the highest number of bars per person in the country (laughs) yeah but Um, they all have miller (laughs) light and spotted cow (laughs) spotted cow uh yes my my beer collection hobby uh is is still alive but i've kind of transitioned towards bourbon collecting as well (laughs) (laughs) what precipitated the change it's it's kind of this natural flow of uh of beer enthusiasts going to, to bourbon enthusiasts. But for me, actually, if we want to talk about finance, I think there was a few too many times where I opened like a $600 bottle of beer and then you drink it with friends and the next day it's gone. Wait a second. Where, Hold on a second. $600 <laughs> for a bottle of beer. Who spends that kind of money on a beer? I've never spent that money on it, but it's, uh, some of them are, are worth that. Um, 
but for me it's it's i enjoy more like if you have a bottle of bourbon it doesn't really go bad um so it's more kind of a long-term investment. I see. So you get to spend that $600 of the co- course of some number of years as opposed to in a night. A day, yeah. <laughs> so good. Are you, so it sounds like you're still nerding out on a niche alcohol then. Oh, yeah. It's tons of like Facebook groups and lots of research. And uh, it's really interesting. The, the, one of the biggest differences, though, is for beer, you can... Even if you have a long process or you're putting something in barrels, you know, a beer can come out in a year or two, where some of the most sought-after bourbons are 18 or 20 years old. So it's a lot longer of a process to, to have that product mature. So you guys remember um, the Winchesters and Twin Spirits, Twin Spirits Distillery here in the cities. Sure. Yeah, they they are. Yeah, Graham and Cody. Graham and Cody. Yeah. Um, yeah, they are. They are now not only making vodka and gin and moonshine, but they are making rum and whiskey as well. And I have to talk to Slade about them adding bourbon because you know that would be pretty cool. Have you? Yeah. Have it's, you tried the moonshine? Is it? How's that? <laughs> you know, I gotta be honest <laughs> and, say, and say it's. It's um, it's special gin and like I think it's it's one of the same recipes of either the gin or the vodka. I forget which one. I think it's vodka, right? Um, and it's just it's made on a full moon and it's made with I think honey. Hmm. And so yeah, it's it's potent. <laughs> <laughs> the the interesting thing with with bourbon or, or whiskey, if you if you want to start a new line or a new company and you want to have your you know one of those older products on the shelf um if you don't start those products years before you open then you'll often source it there's lots of larger companies that will sell their bourbon and they'll let you select different barrels and then repackage it under your own brand until you've had your product uh in barrels for a few years yeah i think that's what twin spirits does is they actually have barrels that they bought years ago that they've been aging and so that's why the whiskey came out much later and the rum came out much later than their original uh alcohols what's the difference between bourbon and whiskey uh, bourbon is a type of whiskey, but ah. when you say whiskey, you also that includes Scotch, Irish whiskey, um, things like that. But bourbon, there's there's certain laws around what's allowed to be called a bourbon. And is, does does it have to do with the barrel that it's aged in? Yeah, it has to be like new charred uh, oak barrels, and it has to be at least fifty one percent corn in the mash as well. Hmm. Really. And what's the difference between whiskey with an E and whiskey without the E? I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's just the spelling. I think there's actually a difference between them. Yeah, we should find that out. <laughs> uh, okay, Coleman, you have side projects going on. I know you have a Alexa skill mm-hmm. that's... Um, on Amazon, and there's lots of ratings. Tell me about the tell me about the skill, what it does, and like the first thing I always do when I look at something is I look at the one star reviews, <laughs> and it does your 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 skill has some one star reviews, and they all seem bogus. And you know, like why are people doing this? Oh man! So the story of that skill is I literally copied the Hello World 
how to make an Alexa skill example. And I just modified it to do what I needed it for, um, which was so that when I was cooking in the kitchen, I could yell at Alexa to double check my like <laughs> safe temperatures of, of uh, various proteins. Um, right. And I, pub- I published it on the, on the Alexa skill store. And then a couple months later, I'm, I suddenly started getting checks from Amazon. Whoa, checks from Amazon? Really? Yeah, I got checks for like 500 bucks a month for like six months because people started <laughs> using it like crazy. Wait a second. Where does that, how does that get monetized? I, I, I have, uh, the only information <laughs> they give is if it like reaches X amount of users. And so for like a bunch of months, I was like obsessed with like trying to follow how many users I had every day. (laughs) And I was refreshing the page all the time. And then as people were using it, it started to break a lot. (laughs) Of course, though, that's what happens to (laughs) that's what happens to software. (laughs) Right. And people were mistaking it for a recipe app. And. My favorite review ever is that it won't tell you how to make a grilled cheese. <laughs> you know what? I actually saw that one, and I wondered, like, what? <laughs> it's, not, it's not supposed to do that. Um, also, I think, I think most people know how to make a grilled cheese. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the recipe is literally the name, so... Yeah. Um, you know, Avon, I actually sent Coleman a picture of this review on Tuesday. Really? I was like, wow, great. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Jack. So uh, I, I kind of want to try to figure this out. Like, is your skill generating traffic for Amazon? And then it's like an affiliate check? Or I think I th- it must be. Um, did you did you embed something where if you ask it how to make something, it'll like automatically sign you up for Amazon Prime and then tell you that? <laughs> no, but I, I definitely should have. Um, and I actually had a few people from Samsung reach out to me about porting my app over to Bixby. <laughs> <laughs> Who uses Bixby, though? Right. And I, I took a five minute look at the documentation and I was like, no way. There's no way I'm doing this. That's awesome. Oh, you guys would like to know, I had a Samsung S10 for about three months, and um, Bixby was the worst thing in my life for about <laughs> three months. What, what, was, what was it so bad? Every time I pressed the volume button, Bixby would show up on the left-hand side of my screen, and I really I couldn't figure out how to get rid of it. I, I think you can finally remap it to, to Google Assistant or something. Uh, it was it was a pain. It really uh. was. Well, Alexa skill aside, you do have other projects as well, Coleman. You you were just talking to me earlier about Breathe ninety nine. Uh, t- tell me and tell us about it. Yeah. What is so, that? So so that's been a huge part of my life recently. Um, uh, the story is my my good friend Max studied abroad in Singapore way back in like 2014. Um, uh, noticed a stark lack of respiratory masks available since the uh, pollution is really bad there, and he came back and uh, started working on a 
a respiratory mask that would, you know, be comfortable to wear. It would look nice and it would also have reusable filters as to cut down on, on waste. He originally reached out to me, you know, back 2015, right around the time I moved to Chicago, uh, reached out to me to help him build a website for it. Um, and we've been kind of incrementally starting this little business ever since. And we had a Kickstarter last summer, which failed pretty, pretty, pretty miserably. And then we were pretty much ready to hang, hang it up and, you know, say, well, we tried. This was a cool project. Um, and then COVID came around and, you know, we redesigned the mask. Um, Max is a mechanical engineer, by the way, so he's the brains behind the mask. Um, and we had a Kickstarter uh, four, three or four months ago at this point, and we raised half a million dollars. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yep. That's yep. great. And so you're in the process of manufacturing them now? We literally shipped our first mast on Monday. Really? And where, where can people find out more about um, the project and to get masks? Uh, Breathe99.com. And that's... Um, Breathe 99, the number is 99.com? Correct. Okay. Yep. Um, and right now we're, we're extending our pre-orders on Indiegogo, like the in-demand platform right now. Um, and uh, we will be launching our uh, dedicated, our own store uh, within the next month. What's the cost of a mask? So a mask is $60. Um and that comes with the rubber face piece, a uh, fabric overlay that uh, is what holds the, the the piece to your face, and um, ten or five sets of two filters, which are uh, replaceable in the mask, and they are the material is rated at N99, um, but we are in the process of getting that officially certified, you know, with the material in our mask. And, uh, and yeah, it's a really cool project. It's extremely difficult to make a physical thing and sell it to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's come with a lot of stress, but a lot of learning. And, um, and you're doing good in the world, too. Yeah, yeah. And that reminds me, I should add, that um, for every mask purchased, we're also donating masks to uh, healthcare workers and, you know, frontline workers in need. That's wonderful. That's really wonderful. It just so happened that uh, last week, I think, I stumbled across a video from Minute Physics. Do you know Minute mm. Physics, the YouTube channel? Yeah, like with the drawings and stuff. With the drawings, yes. And they do. he does a wonderful, um, simple explanation of sometimes very complex ideas and um, concepts with these line drawings and he published a video of uh the physics behind how n95 masks work hmm. and i would encourage our readers and if you haven't seen it coleman as well check it out just i think you could google minute physics n95 um i had no idea that the way these things work is by a number of different uh Techniques in the material that's used to filter particles. So, sure. an, so an N99 is even more um, effective than an N95, I would imagine. 
Correct. Yep. That refers to the number, the percent of particulates that are filtered from the air. Right. So we're shooting for 99% down to a, a certain size of is particle. Is that where the, the Breathe 99 name came from? Yes, sir. It is. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, we'll link to this um, in the show notes, and like, I wish you the very best of luck in this. This is a, a wonderful thing that you're doing. And will you come back and talk to us in six months from now? Let us know how things are going, and maybe we'll do a whole show on, on Breathe 99. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I would be happy to um, send you guys some masks as well. Yeah, we'd love that. Please do that. That would be that'd be wonderful. Sure. Yeah, that'd be great, Coleman. Thanks. <laughs> oh, Jack, that's funny. I sent you the Kickstarter link and you never got one. Oh my gosh. Maybe <laughs> wonder what happened. <laughs> um do you guys miss Minneapolis or are you happy to be where you're at? Yeah, I miss the Twin Cities. I think I'll uh always stay in the Midwest. I, I know I'm kinda in between you and and Coleman, but uh, I come back about once every month or six weeks or so. Oh, you do not not right now. No, um, I just gotta. I'm planning to come back at the end of the month, and I got a list of requirements to follow uh, from my parents if I want to <laughs> stay with them. <laughs> that sounds reasonable. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, I miss Minneapolis a lot, actually, all the time. Um. Yeah, I miss the outside. I miss the quiet. I miss uh, the, com- the comfort. Um, well, we're, but, s- we're still here, Coleman, so... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just got to hurry up and retire, and then I can come back. Hey, man, breathe 99. Give that another year, right? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> uh, one final question. Uh, Jack, I'm going to ask you first, and then maybe, Coleman, you could give me your thoughts. How do you think ten? How do you think ten sevens changed from an outsider's perspective? Um, now that you haven't been with us for so many years, what does it look like? Well, I know it's remote, which I think is the biggest change. Um, I, I'm, I know. I think I've still seen you guys are big supporters to the Drupal community and open source. I know DrupalCon was supposed to be in Minneapolis yeah. this year, oh, but really? now yeah. checked the other day, it's virtual. Um, yeah, hmm. so that's exciting. Um, but I, I know I'm not in the weeds as much as I as I was. So um, maybe after Coleman's answer, I'd like to hear your thoughts, Yvonne. Uh, sure. Um, well, yeah, I try to, I try to keep up to date about what you guys are doing and I think it's really cool to see, um, how much you've done with like Ansible and Kubernetes. Um, I, I spent like all of 2019 doing Ansible at DRW and, and so I've definitely learned to respect and, and appreciate, um, doing a lot more DevOps and, uh, I think that's awesome. You guys are doing that. I think it's really cool. You have a dedicated DevOps um, person on your team. I think that's awesome. I was curious about like what you could tell from marketing and the outside based on 
what we are saying online and um and so it's 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 interesting to hear you talk about ansible and kubernetes and uh you know i think jack you're right you know the biggest change in the last five years has certainly been us becoming more uh focused on being distributed and not being in the office anymore and i think that's been a really a positive change for us i i um i never thought we'd do it and when we started doing it, I was pretty scared, but uh, it turned out really well, and I, I can't even I can't even imagine us going back to an office anymore. Uh, so that's certainly one uh, one thing that's changed. And things that haven't changed have been our focus on our clients and hearing you, Jack, talk about how we needed to go the extra mile and be able to service our customers as quickly and as honestly as possible, that that was something that you're doing now as well. Like That, that makes me smile. I, I think we're still focused on doing that. I think, uh, at, at least from my perspective, I'm not involved in the minutia and the weeds as much as I used to be when you guys were around. I have a very much of a, an expanded, higher-level role um, and so I think that's changed as well. I think we've become more, uh, I think the, I think the company can operate without me now. And I think that's, I think that's a, a significant change as well. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know that we had sabbaticals when you guys were around. Did we have sabbaticals? I think it was announced the, right when I was leaving. I think Les was taking his first one. Ah, yes. That's been a change as well. Yeah, your four years at ten seven gets you four weeks of time off, paid time off, every four years. So that changed. Nice, that's great. Yeah, not to. Uh, there's actually a, a good perk that um, Epic offers too. Every five years, they'll take you and a guest, and you'll get four weeks paid to go um, anywhere in the world that you haven't been before. Really, that's wow. so, that's a good yeah. perk. <laughs> Definitely a good perk. <laughs> that is so very, very similar. Well, I'm glad we're competitive with program. a 10,000 employee company. Then yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> well, it's been it's been really great talking to you guys and catching up. Um, I've really enjoyed spending the time with you two today. And uh, good luck in your Breathe 99 and in your bourbon tasting efforts, Jack. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks, Ivan. It's been great catching up with you as well. Yeah. Jack Probst and Coleman Rollins are 107 alumni succeeding out there in the real world with projects like Breathe 99 and interest in bourbon tasting. <laughs> you can find them both online. Jack's handle is at Capture Jack. And Coleman is at ColemanRollins.io. And be sure to check out Breathe 99 as well. Breathe99.com. You've been listening to the 107 podcast. Find us online at 107.com slash podcast. And if you have a second, do send us a message. We love hearing from you. Our email address is podcast at 107.com. Until next time, this is Ivan Stegich. Thanks for listening.